give reverence to the Word of God and the things of God because it will, it will make a difference in your life. And how many knows that's the truth? Amen. So if you don't have a Bible along with you today, you can um, follow along on the screen behind me. I'm going to be looking at several different verses of Scripture. But before we get there, I want to talk to you. You can be seated. I, I'm, I'm going to talk to you for a moment. Uh, something that I read... Um, I read this. Now, most of the books, most of the books that I read, I will write in the uh, in the on the first page of the book, not the cover, but the first page of the book. I, I will normally write in there um, when I read that book. I'll, I'll put a date there of uh, the month and the year whenever I read the book. So I have uh, quite a few books through the years. It was it was interesting. I was at a conference the last few days and. And I was involved, uh, I don't know, Thursday all day, Friday all day, uh, through yesterday up till noon, and, and I, was, I spoke six, I think, six different times in two days in sessions, and, and some of those sessions were joint sessions with other teachers. I was part of panels, and anyway, so the last few days have been uh, quite busy for me, but, but in one of those sessions, uh, another one of the teachers made mention of a book that he read and he highlighted it and said it's one of the greatest books that he ever read. And uh, it was interesting because I felt, I felt the same way about that when he, when he said the title. And, and I, I said to him, man, we were both talking, we're teaching, team teaching this class. And he mentioned a book in response to someone's question. And I said, that's one of my favorite books. I, I read that book in 1980, and he said, 83. And I said, yeah, it was 83 or 84. And we, and we both at the same time said, 83, 84, I read that book. It's interesting how 35 years or so can come and go, and there's, there are certain things that that you read that stick with you, and um, that book was Ordering Your Private World by uh, Gord MacDonald. If you, if, I, don't even, I doubt it's in print. I don't know that you can even find it, but it's a great book from way back when. But books, books are uh, important to me, and I read things and pick things out, but I, I want to share with you just a couple, couple things from a book that I read five years ago. I looked in the front of this and, and just saw the, the date because I wanted to go back. When did I, when did I read? This is what happens. When, when you're putting sermons together and you, you're writing notes and you're doing things, I, I will place in different parts of a sermon stories that I read or things. And so I, I'm going along and I, I read this about five years ago in a book that was um, written by Dave Ramsey, and this is not this is not Financial Peace University, so don't get scared. I'm not going to try to help you get all that stuff lined up today. But if you need help in that area, we we would be glad, more more than happy to help you. But but Dave Ramsey also wrote a book about leadership and entrepreneurship, and he he married those two concepts together in a book about entre leadership, and, and, and it's kind of a, a twist on leadership and on being an entrepreneur, and there's a lot of great things about the book, but I read it about five years ago, and, and there were things in it that I, that I found interesting, and I wanted to just bring them to light as we began today, and then we'll, we'll read some scriptures here in a moment. Uh, Dave Ramsey referenced John Maxwell, and, and in one portion of the book in one chapter, because John Maxwell is a, is a, is a great 
leadership guru, and so because this book had a little bit to do with that, he said when referencing money, we're talking about money for a moment here, he said that John Maxwell said that if you, if, if, as far as a budget is concerned, basically what a budget is, he said, my friend John Maxwell says a budget for your money is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. And I, I, years ago, I, I did a series, and, and I used that as one of the points, that if you're going to have a, a true budget, then you have to be in charge of telling your money where it's going and, and not just letting it pick and choose and then be surprised in the end when you have nothing. He went on to say that managing time is the same. Managing time. Now, here's where I want you to lock in with me for a moment. You will either tell your time what to do or you will wonder where it went. Where did time go? The weird thing is, he says, that the the more efficient you are at telling your time or taking control of your time to stay on task or on goal, then you are with your, uh, you have to be as diligent about your time as you are your money is what he's drawing in this paragraph. That, that it can't just be a budget of money and things be well in your life, but you also need a budget with your time. If not, time gets by real quick. And uh, you look back and wonder why in some areas you haven't been successful and it was because of the, the lack of time management. Everybody say time management. Amen. Now, he, he goes on to, to tell this story, and this is what I wanted to share with you, but I had to say that to say this. He said, as a person of faith, now this is awesome. I don't know that, I don't know, I've never heard this before until I read it five years ago. As a person of faith, I always kind of viewed time management for the purpose of productivity to be a business kind of thing devoid of any spiritual or personal implications. So time management, some of you are thinking that right now. I can look at you and tell I've been doing this a long time. You're like, I I thought pastor was going to preach today. When's he going to really read the Bible? He's talking about time management. This, I, I know you. I know you. And I'm a professional. (laughs) So follow with me for a moment. He said, I always viewed time management that was devoid. This is devoid of anything spiritual. Some of you are thinking that right now. Because you want me to throw down and preach. Froth at the mouth. Kick holes in the wall. And then then you'll say, man, we've been to church. Hold on a little bit, all right? I I might get there. I don't know. You, You never can tell. So time management is devoid of anything spiritual or have any personal implications at all. It's all all business kind of stuff. He said, I was teaching this lesson years ago, Dave Ramsey, and one of my young leaders, who's very bright, came to me afterward and asked the leading question, Dave, do you know where the concept of seconds and minutes was developed? He's talking about time management. He said, do you know where seconds and minutes came from, where this was developed? Dave, I said, no, but I bet you're going to tell me. It's a leader. He knows when, when people come to you with things like that, then basically they're really wanting to tell you something. 
And he said it was a leading question. He said, but I bet you're going to tell me. According to my young leader, who has a master's degree in divinity, prior, he said this, prior to the 1300s, man measured time only in hours using instruments like a sundial. Does that make any sense to you? If it doesn't, then I'll, I can explain that to you if, if need be. Sundial operated on the cast of a shadow. And depending on where the shadow was cast and how long the shadow was, they could tell where in the day the time was. So it was all about, as he said, it was by the sundial and it was measured only in hours because that was the instrument that was used prior to the 1300s. He said somewhere in the 1300s, mathematicians were, were who were monks, I like this, mathematicians who were monks were able to do the calculations that now allow us to break hours into minutes and minutes into seconds. So mathematicians in the 1300s who were monks found a way to calculate minutes and seconds into this hour process, if you will, and the monks did this mathematical work in order to enable them to more precisely, are you ready for this, the reason they came up with minutes and seconds, monks? They wanted to more precisely worship God. So they were taking it out of our chunks, just worshiping God at one or two, and they said, we need to get this down to what we know today. As So when you say time management has nothing to do with spirituality, open the Bible and read a verse and preach to me today. I'm already preaching. You just don't realize it. If you don't somehow budget your time, you will never get around to worshiping Him. Well, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that next Sunday. I'll get to that down the road somewhere. And he said they broke this down, came up with the calculations and the formula so they could worship God more precisely. So managing money and time well and viewing them as precious commodities is a normal exercise for all of us, particularly people of faith. If you don't manage your money and you don't manage your time, don't claim to be a man or woman of faith. Well, I just can't get there. Always late. Oh, God. Always excuses. Always broke. If you don't manage your money and your time, don't claim to be a person of faith. Because time management and money management are spiritual things that literally have the power to set your course in the things of God or not. Will a man rob God, Malachi asked? Come on. Anybody hearing me? 
uh, I, I know, I know this isn't, this isn't what you thought you were coming. I mean, we had a high last week and you come back to me this week. But you can't live on cotton candy. Somebody shout amen. Hello. Oh, you're just smiling at me right now because you know we love to run and shout and talk in tongues and do all that, but sometimes we're not as fond of where the rubber meets the road. You can't shout your way. Oh, listen. You can't shout your way through or over or eclipse obedience in your life. I'm going to shout, but I don't have to be obedient. I'm going to run, but I don't have to be obedient. I'm gonna, wait a minute. Now, he goes on to say that Stephen Covey, uh, Covey if you know much about him, I've read books by him. He, he said this, and, and this is kind of quadrants that he put together, and you'll wonder why I'm saying all this right now, but it'll make sense in a moment. He put time into four quadrants that most of us operate in, and he said Roman numeral one, here's, here's one quadrant that many people operate in, and that's the quadrant of important and urgent. Quadrant number two is important but not urgent, okay? Quadrant number three is not important, but urgent. And quadrant number four is not important and not urgent. And all of us live our lives in one or more of those quadrants. Every one of us. And it, I, I, I'm not going to go through it all, but... Most people, most people do not struggle with the first one or the last one. The first one, important and urgent. Not important and not urgent. Most of us do not struggle with those two. We struggle in the other two of important but not urgent, not important but urgent. And we try to figure out how we're going to to handle these. And it's in the second and third quadrants that we have to be very specific about this in order to win at a higher level. If you want to win on your job, win in your parenting, win in your life, win at a higher level, you can't just focus on one and four. You have to deal with the specifics of two and three that are urgent and important and what gets your attention and what doesn't and how you go through your life in dealing with these things. And somebody shout, Amen. And this is what I found out, and I even said it this week in one of the sessions I was in. As your business, I was talking to church leaders, as your church begins to grow, your ministry begins to grow, as your business and responsibilities grow in size, you have to pull back on the scope of what you personally do. So just because it's your job, family, life, finances, ministry, whatever it may be. It may be growing to brand new levels and there's more responsibility than there's ever been. If you try to keep up with the growth, you will stunt the growth and you will destroy your own life. So you have to pull back the scope of all of that 
and only focus on what you are personally responsible for. All right, so I've taken about 20 minutes to bring you up to speed so I could read the Bible and you guys think it makes sense now. (laughs) He said, I've learned that uh, typing these pages or speaking or mentoring a young leader is sometimes that it's only... I can only do that, and and I can't do it if my time is used up doing the urgent and not the important. Okay, now, I'm going to preach to you for a little while today. Everybody say, we're changing gears. I want to preach to you from this thought, tragedy at the hands of the urgent. Tragedy at the hands of... The urgent. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to read now from the Word of God so you'll be happy and say you went to church today. Genesis 19, reading a story here in this chapter beginning with verse number 12. I'll give you a moment to find that and uh, we'll begin. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy daughter's Thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. Bring them out, for we will destroy this place. Because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this place city, but he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Do you see the urgency here? The urgency is building. It's urgent. Get out. Judgment is coming. God said, leave. It's urgent. And they look at him as though, "This, this isn't as big of a deal as you think. And when they were And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. It's urgent. You have to get... Lot! Hey, Lot! Lot! No, No more delay. No more waiting. It's time. Get your wife. Get your kids. Go now. Right now. And while he lingered... While he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto them. Don't think people are attacking you when they get a hold of you. Sometimes they get a hold of you to save you. You ever need anybody just to kind of wake you up? So Sometimes pastors preaching will, you'll feel like I've got a hold of you. Don't hate me for that. I may be trying to wake you up from a destruction that's about to come into your life. And if I'm just standing at a distance, being passive with you, you'll never get where God wants you to go. Amen. So the Bible said he's merciful unto them. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. It came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest thou be consumed. Then Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight. And thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil. Some evil take me and I die. Behold now, the city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let it just because it's little, 
doesn't mean it isn't tragic. See, we look at things and say, well, there's no problem with that. I, why just let me go there? I can handle that. He said, it's little, not it's a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I may not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Hasten thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zorah, and the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zorah. Then the Lord reigned upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven and he overthrew those cities of all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground but his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt think about it how how tragic the situation is in the moment In that moment, and Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. He looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and behold, or beheld, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. You can be seated. I'm going to talk to you just a little while today about tragedy at the hands of the urgent. The longer we live, the more... How many would agree with me? The longer we live, you have any age on you at all, the more urgent things in life seem to become. I mean, things that were not urgent to us in days gone by are urgent to us now. And things that we thought would never arrive seem to be right there in front of us. And so we feel this urgency to act. We feel this urgency to take care of things. And I I believe that if we would uh, admit it today, much of our daily existence uh, that, that, that we should address and probably need to address or are there really things that we should have accomplished yesterday. But because I didn't get it done yesterday, I feel urgent about it today. I mean, all of us, and it's the old saying, we spend our lives chasing our tail. Have you ever seen a dog just chase its tail? Round? It's, you're getting nowhere. Nothing's being accomplished. But there are so many people that are on this wheel, the rat race, and they're just a hamster on the wheel, running, 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 and nothing is getting done, because it's urgent. I I needed to take care of it a week ago. I needed to take care of it a month ago, and we we told our daughters when they were young, and we we made them go through the Dave Ramsey course with us way back when, that uh, they would, they would began to put money away every month. I'm not going to throw off on you if you're not doing that, but my girls have been putting money away every month of their life, Madison, for the last 13 years. Because I don't want her to get somewhere down the road and say... I wish I, 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 how am I going to retire? How am I going to take care of myself? What am I going to do? We taught our girls early the importance of putting money away. It's important. If you put a little bit away right now every month, 
You won't have to get down the road somewhere and say, I need a windfall to survive. God gave you a brain, start using it right now. You didn't check it in at the door. I hope you didn't. If you did, please pick it up and put it back in. When Madison turned 16, her mother and I did not go out and buy her a brand new car. Because from the time that she was 10 or 11 years old, we told her and her sister when her sister was 9 and she was 11, you need to put something away right now. Every time something comes into your life, every time your grandfather or grandmother or a friend or a birthday or Christmas or whatever comes, if it's $20, you're not blowing $20 on bubble gum. A dollar, two dollars, ten dollars, some of that is going because when you get 16, your mom and I will match whatever you've saved. Up to $10,000. You never know with kids these days. I mean, there's entrepreneurs that are, I mean, they discover stuff and make stuff when they're like six and become millionaires. They sold it to IBM. And you're like, what? What? So, so every from the time they were 9, 10, 11 years old. So when she turned 16 and wanted a car, we said, here's the budget. You've got that much? We're going to match it. And this is what you can buy. And so she purchased a car, paid cash for it. When her sister hit the same place two years later, she did the same thing. Oh, you're such a mean... Call it what you want. It doesn't really matter to me. We're teaching them something doing something and so a little bit they say if you just put a hundred dollars a hundred dollars how am I talking about all this today but maybe I'm helping someone if you just save a hundred dollars a month from the time that you are 17 18 years old until you're 30 or 31 and you put it in the right investments if you don't save one more dollar you will be a millionaire when you retire But if you try to start saving in your 30s and 40s, you have to do a whole lot more than $100 a month. You need to put thousands away every month to even catch up with someone that just put a little bit away but had time on their hands for compound interest. And everybody say, man, I love my pastor. I'm just helping you. I mean, don't, don't look at us. Don't, don't look at us and say, well, they're this. No, we have a disciplined life that we live. And we don't always pull back the curtain and say, this is what we do. But when the kids want this toy and that toy and this, we'll say, you can have this much, but that is going to savings. Because one day, you're going to look back and you're going to appreciate what we did to help you find out young that if you don't tell your money where to go, you live your life broke if you don't tell your time where to go you will live your life in tragic situations all the time because it's urgent it's urgent it's urgent oh it's urgent we got to do it right now got to take care of it right now got to work on this right now and we spend all of our time trying to make up for things we should have done yesterday and the week before and the month before If you're going to be a child of God, there's more to it than running and jumping and speaking in tongues and running around and healing everybody. Yes, that's all part of it. I love it. But you've got the whole rest of the week to try to figure out how you're going to disciple your life to reflect what He teaches in His Word. 
Somebody shout amen. amen. So we're, we're accustomed to hurriedness. We're accustomed to being unfulfilled. So many people live unfulfilled lives because they live with lack of discipline in their life. If you want fulfillment, discipline your life. I promise you, it will make a difference. It will make a huge difference. We live pressure-packed lives. We live regretful lives. We live guilt-ridden lives. You all know people, and you may be right there right now, guilt-ridden, regretful, pressure-packed, unfulfilled, hurried. You can't get everything done. You need to get done, and you feel this pressure. That, that should have been taken. <laughs> and you know what? This is the story that I read to you of, an, of a woman whose name we don't even know. All we know is she was Lot's wife. I mean, in this, that, it doesn't even identify her here. Jesus, Jesus spoke about it. And he didn't say, remember so and so. He said, remember Lot's wife. He brings this. He, 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 he elevates it in the attention of people to try to point something out. That this is the sad story of this unnamed woman. Her failure here is found in forgetting the important because she was caught up in the urgent. When you get caught up in the urgent, you will forfeit the important and it will cost you everything that is valuable in your life. If you're not careful, you will spend all your days chasing your tail. Urgent, urgent. Take care of this. Put that fire out. Answer that call. Respond to that email. Work in that. And you go to bed stressed and you sleep tossing and turning and you get up worried because you're living constantly driven by the urgent and not by the important. The important was go now and don't look back. But somehow... She looked back. I know there's a lot of speculation and I'm not going to spend time there today, but I see churches that get to this place. I see saints that get to this place. I see preachers that get to this place. We can all be guilty of the same thing and it's simply handling the urgent and overlooking the important things in our life. Well, I can't do that because I have that pressing on me. I can't do that because I have to take care of that. I have do this because I, I need to work on. are you hearing me right now Jesus got to the place where he looked at people and he said don't, 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 don't think bad of him but this is pretty cold blooded to look at people and say let the dead bury the dead can you imagine can you imagine that's what he said he said let the dead bury the dead in other words, there's not one thing you can do about that now. There's nothing you can do. Jesus was, was adamant about these things. And if we're not careful, we will do all of our business around the urgent and we'll overlook the important things in our life. Well, i got to pay this bill. Uh, you should have thought of that before you purchased that. 
It was the latest whatever. You had to have it. But was it important? It, it, it was just urgent. Everybody else, come on somebody, help me preach today. Don't, don't just stare at me and act like I don't know what I'm talking about. We spend our lives putting one fire out after another and we're running from one fire to the next and we're taking care of all of these temporary things and earthly things and carnal things and and we're forgetting the eternal and we're forgetting what matters in the end and we're forgetting what will get us ready to meet Him one day because I have this problem and I have that issue and I have this struggle and and I have to take care of it and He but what about the things that matter? What about the things that are important? I don't want to spend my life missing this. Luke 17, verse 20 says, And when he demanded of the Pharisees, when uh, was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Do you see what he was saying? If you listen to people, they're going to say, here, there, this, that. And he's saying, wait a minute. Get your head on straight. Realize what's important here. Jesus brings them back to this. And he said, the kingdom of God is within you. It's in you. And he saith unto to the disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they shall say to you, See here, see there. Go not after them, he said. Don't follow them. And I've met people that it took them, it's, t- it's years, years and years of years of dysfunction to finally get to a place of explosion. And then they decide they want pastor to get involved. And they want him to get involved right then. My wife mentioned it the other day. Years ago, we were pastoring, and I got called out in the middle of the night, couple having a knockdown drag out. Put my Superman cable, woo, fly over there. Take care of it all tonight. I'm here, super pastor. They've been living in hell for years, hating each other, fighting each other, stressed to the max. And they call me, and I walk in the home with the sidekick ministerial buddy that I didn't want to go by myself, because you never know what kind of lion's den you're going into. We walk in, and everything on the walls is on the floor. And everything in the kitchen cabinets are on the floor. And the glass tables that sit in front of the couch is in one zillion pieces. Because they decided they want to rant and rave and throw and cuss and fight and break stuff. And we walk into their beautiful home and it looks like a war zone. And I'm supposed to fix it in five minutes. That's people that are suffering tragedy at the hands of the urgent instead of focusing on what's important. 
I can't fix in five minutes what it took you 20 years to finally get to. So quit thinking I'm that guy. Focus on what's important. Talk kind to one another. Work your differences out before you lay down. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't, don't, don't cold shoulder one another. If there's a doghouse for you to go to, your marriage is headed for trouble. There's no doghouse in our marriage. Well, we're sleeping in the doghouse. Well, you might as well just call it quits right now because that's where it's headed. Sleeping on the couch for a few... Okay. Better wake up and realize what's important. What's important is how you treat one another, how you talk to one another. When we were... She was 19 and I was 15, I think. She married me. I was young. (laughs) You robbed the cradle. I see, see, I see, I see what you were doing. I see what you did. No, I was 15. She swept me away. You know, you know what we did when we first got married? We sat down and looked at one another, and I said to her, and she said to me, Babe, I will never threaten you about leaving. It don't matter how rough it gets or what we've got to go through. I will never look at you and tell you to get out, and I'll never tell you I'm just going to leave. I'll never threaten you. I love you. We're going to work this out. You don't have to live in threat. Leaving was never an option. Now, please, don't think I'm picking on anyone in particular. I'm just telling you my story. We said things like that in the beginning of our marriage. We said things like this. Yeah, I better not say everything we said. (laughs) I'm not going to bed mad. So we may be up for days and days on end, but we're going to work this out. I'm never going to threaten you with divorce. We're going to sit down and talk through this, figure this out. Because that's important. If you're not careful, you'll become a slave to the urgent. Jesus said they'll have you going here and there and doing this and chasing that. And and you'll spend all of your time trying to get a grip on things that, that you're never going to be able to truly capture. He goes on and he said, the day will come when you shall desire to see. And I read this and they shall say to you, see here, see, go there. After them, he said, for as the lightning that lighteth one of the one out of one part under, where am I? Heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven. So shall also the son of man be in his day. But first, must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came, destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded, but the same day that Lot 
Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. He's trying to tell them they were involved in all of these things. It was urgent. Take care of this. Feed the flesh. Have a good time. Take care of that. Improve here. And he said they were involved in it the very day that heaven started raining judgment on them. You will get so caught up in the urgent that you don't see the important. The important doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't even register anymore. It makes no real value. It has no real value in your life because you're just working trying to keep this, keeping all the plates spinning, juggling all the balls, taking care of every situation. Listen to pastor today. You will suffer in the long run if you don't get back to focusing on what is important, not just what is urgent in your life. Value the things of God. Value the disciplines of the Word of God. Apply your life to them and them to your life. And in the end, they will pay off and somebody shout amen. He goes on and he said, uh, So it, 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 even, even thus saith, he said, Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. But that's my stuff. I got to take care of my stuff. He said, you're on the housetop. Quit worrying about what's in the house. What's in the house is urgency. But what you're waiting on at the top of the house is more important. He said, leave it alone. Just leave it alone. Don't, don't, don't go after it. Don't, don't try it. Let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. He's saying it was an urgent moment, but she sacrificed what was important, getting caught up in what was urgent. And it cost her her life. That's the tragedy. Here's what happens. It may not cost you physically, but it will cost you spiritually. And I would dare to say, and I would say most assuredly, that I've seen people that it did not just cost them spiritually, it also cost them physically. Because the important things didn't matter anymore. It was just the urgent. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed, and one shall be taken and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord, where is this going to happen? And he said to them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be to gather together. Remember, he says it again, Remember Lot's wife. Remember what? Return, return, turn back, get back. Get to where you need to be. There's so many things I could go to, and faith has a bunch of verses over there. And I told her, I said, I'm not getting them. To, I'm not going to get to them all today. She knew that going in. I said, but just in case, just in case, here's the deal. I, just as your pastor, and I, and I, feel, I feel compelled to tell you this, because this is what the writer said. Follow me as I follow Christ. Lisa and I 
do our very best. You may not understand everything I do, and you may not agree with everything I do. You don't have to. I still love you. But I learned a long time ago, the urgent would not be the priority. The important. So people may say, run here, there's a sign there. Run over there, he has a word for you there. Go over there and take care of that. Take care. Hey, I found what I've been looking for. And I found it in the disciplines of his word. And I know what is important. And no matter what anybody else does that has the depth, have about, you know, they're about an inch deep in the things of God. Because they spend their life on the urgent and not the important. I want to stand before Him with clean hands and a pure heart. And I want to make sure that I've, I've put my life around the important things, the things that matter. Being the kind of husband that I need to be. Being the kind of provider that I need to be. Being the kind of companion that I need to be. Being the kind of father that I need to be. Being the kind of example that I need to be. Being the kind of voice of reason that I need to be. I, I, listen, if... My wife and I, several years ago, I, when the girls, I, I'm, just, I'm just being transparent with you. Before we had children, I traveled the world. I don't even know how many countries I've been to. I don't even know how many places that I've preached. But when we had children, I told Lisa, I said, I'm not going to accept any more out-of-the-country invitations until the girls can get up because I want to be close in their life. You do what you want to. I'm just telling you the way, the way I live my life. Some of that comes from the fact that my dad was gone two to three times a year, three and four weeks at a time, traveling the world, reaching people with the gospel, having phenomenal crusades, and I'm, I'm at home dealing with bitterness. And I'm at home trying to figure out, all my friends have dads, what about me? I can, I can tell you the story. I, I can give you all the details if you want to. So I made my mind up, when I have kids, I'm not going to do that. Because I want to be at every performance. I want to drop them off and pick them up. I want to be there at every graduation. I want to be there at every birthday party. I want to be there for every special event for them. And so for years, you can ask my wife, I wouldn't take invitations to travel internationally. I wanted to be where I could jump on a plane or get in a car and be home within a couple days or a day or eight hours or ten. And so then it went from that till I said, babe, in our own life, I made a commitment. Babe, I'm not going to be gone away from you more than three or four days at a time. Because I don't think it's healthy. I'm human. I'm not going to be gone weeks at a time from you because you're my priority. And I refuse to let a door be opened somewhere else that could destroy what God's done in our life. Not everybody has to do it this way. I'm just trying to tell you what's important to me and the things that we do as a couple and the things that I've done as a father and the things that matter to me. Yes, I get invitations a lot to go here and do that and take care of this and fix that problem and work that situation out. Sometimes I don't answer the call. Because I'm having dinner with my family. Well, you're, you're not a very good pastor. I, I don't care. I don't claim to be perfect. Don't want to be. This is what matters to me. Getting them there matters to me.
And I love all of you, but you're after them. People say, on oh, Thursday night, I've got to have you this night. And I'm thinking, but i got something at school with my kids. You'll say, I, I have an appointment that night. Because some things are important. And I do not want to get to the end of my life and look back and think, you saved the world, but you lost your family. I, my wife can tell you, my girls can tell you, I've had more than one conversation with them to tell them, you're my priority. You're my priority. You'll always be my priority. This is my responsibility. It's first. It's important. You'll never take a back seat to anything else. Not a conference, not a revival, not a speaking engagement, nothing. You're my priority. I'm just giving you a a view into my life because I want you to know I don't just preach stuff that I don't live. I'm pleading with some of you. Get off of the wheel. Get out of putting all the fires out. Quit trying to take care of everything and start focusing on what matters. Yes, we're talking about family things, but what matters more than anything else is your soul. And if urgency is going to cost you your soul, get back to what's important. If you don't have time to pray, you're too busy. If you don't have time to read the Word consistently, you're too busy. If you don't have time to push the plate back, and fast you're too busy if you don't have time to be in the house of God and together with the people of God through the week in a group meeting you're too busy hear me it will cost you your soul it will cost you the thing that matters the most let pastor plead with you today let me beg of you today remember Lot's wife I, I honestly there's places I wanted to go that we didn't get, but I, I don't want to miss what God's doing right now. And if you feel the Holy Ghost speaking to you, I just want you to get out from where you are and come stand with me. I, it, 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 it could be in the area of your marriage. It could be in the area of your finances. It could be in the area of your time. It could be in the area of your soul. It could be in the area... I, I don't know. I don't know. We've covered a lot of ground, but... Whatever it is, I'm, I'm, I'm saying today, God's, God, God's trying to get our attention. I don't want you to live so busy. I don't want you to live so frustrated. I don't want you to live so hurried. I don't want you to live so full of pressure in your life. I don't want you to live under so much stress. I'm trying to tell you as a pastor, you don't have to do that. You don't have to live that way. I'm pleading with you. Please, please make sure the important things of God stay first in your life. Make sure what is pleasing to Him stays first in your life. Don't let anything else crowd in. Don't let anyone else come in and steal those beautiful places and alone times that He wants with you. How can you know what He wants for your life if you're never talking to Him? If you're never hearing from Him? If you never slow down long enough to say, God, talk to me today. I'm pushing everything else aside. I just want to be alone with you, God. I want to talk to you. I shared this week in one of the sessions, and it's really it's sticking with me today. It comes to mind now that 
oh, probably a decade or more ago, someone said, and I, and, I, and I picked up on it, that to truly fulfill what, what our lives are designed for, we have to divert daily. We have to withdraw weekly. Some added in, someone added in, we have to manage monthly. And we have to abandon annually. In other words, see my dad was a workaholic. We never went on a vacation. He never took us anywhere. If we went somewhere, it was because he was preaching there. And I can't even tell you how many times that my mother and I sat in hotel rooms because my dad was doing his deal and we were just along for the ride. And I made a commitment to my wife and girls, every year I'll take you somewhere. Every year I'll spend two or three weeks just focusing on you. I know that my time will be limited at other times, but there will be two or three weeks in every summer. If I have to charge it, if I have to beg, borrow, and steal, I'm going to do it. We're going somewhere and my attention will be solely on you. Abandon annually. Withdraw weekly. Where do you go once a week just to get alone and think? Just to get alone and look at your life. Just, just get alone and say, what's happened this week? How could things have been different? Do you ever do it? Could be why you're so stressed right now. Could be why you're just chasing your tail. Could Because you're always urgent, 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 urgent. It's money, it's money. You better wake up and hear, Pastor. You'll be on meds before long. And you'll say, it's just chemical imbalance. No, it could simply be because you're just dealing in the urgent and not the important. Do you divert daily? Do you ever take five minutes or 15 minutes or 30 minutes in the morning or in the evening? My father was a good man. And I watched him for years ride in a big... Some of you may know what this is or not. American Express. I've been American Express card holder since 1987. So I'm 32 years in with American Express. Every year they'll send you a big planner if you want that. And I watched my dad fill planner after planner after planner after planner through the years. And when he died, we went back through some of those things. He wrote down every day what he did. He wrote down every day, every phone call, every conversation, every day. He did it till he died. Do you ever slow down just to think about your day that day? I promise you if you'll slow down and say, urgent, 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 weak, urgent, 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 a month ago, urgent, urgent. And you look back and say, where are the important things that I've done? Start tracking. If prayer is important, make it a priority. If fasting is important, make it a priority. If being in the Word is important, make it a priority. If spending time with your family is important, make it a priority. If what, whatever's important to you, please hear me. I don't have a clue why I went down this road today, but God knows. So let's just, right now... Ask God to talk to each and every one of us that are standing here. Lord, in your name, I pray, I pray right now for every person.